Now this is a time for questions, hopefully answers. <laughs> but you know, um, uh, a couple of things with a Q&A. I'm gonna try to repeat the question, uh, but if it's, I have this situation, that probably won't do well because we'd have to gather, you know, that number one up there, uh, we'd have to gather a lot of information in other words, trying to make a, a help you with a decision. If anything, it's can you think of any commands or principles that could help in a decision I'm faced with, or any other questions on the material is fine. But I'll uh, try to re help remind me to repeat the question, and uh, we'll seek to give that an answer. So, yes, uh, the question is, um, Oftentimes, we don't have opportunities to go through a process of a lot of time, gathering a lot of information, thinking through everything. Sometimes it's very quick. You get a phone call, um, someone needs surgery. You know, there's, there's sometimes it's very quick. And so I look at uh, even examples in Scripture when any decisions had to be made quick, and what I find is the more of God's word is in our minds, like a tea bag in hot water, the longer the scriptures in our minds and we're extracting out and it's, it's affecting and renewing our minds, we, we can think quickly biblically. I mean, it's just, it's there. And we're more inclined to make wise decisions if we know God's word and we have a heart after him, sometimes it's just, Lord, help either one of these. I don't have time to process it. I've got to move ahead. Help. I mean, that's what Peter, in his decision when he was sinking, you know, just help. And so that's the only way I know um, to grow in wisdom is to get more of, of God's word. And, and contemplating it. Sometimes you can almost prepare yourself for quick responses when you know you're going to be put in situations, and what if I'm asked this, or what if this happens? Uh, you're, you're kind of planning for certain situations. You, know, you almost know are going to happen. So when it does, you've already thought through, this is going to be my response, should it happen. We will make mistakes, right? And we will go, but that was not wise. I thought it was at the time, but now that I've had time to think through, that wasn't the best. Well, praise God that you can go back. You can ask people. You can ask for forgiveness. If you've taken a position and you say, I, I took this, um, signed up for this thing to do for a whole semester. Now that I'm in it, I, I didn't realize the work and this. And now, all right, now make a trajectory change. Some things you have to honor your commitment through a certain time, and then after that, you can then, I won't be doing that again. So some decisions you can't just change on a dime, and you're out of it, like debt. So, well, okay, here's what we're going to do. And you, you make decisions that you're on the right trajectory towards biblical wisdom and responsibility, and it's, it's coming back. And it's going to take us maybe a year to get out of this, but praise God, we, we know where we're, we're headed. Yes.
Yeah, and, and that's um, the, the question was uh, when people talk about dreams, and there are dreams in the scripture uh, where people have these dreams and God seems to be communicating either in a vision, often a vision during day, dream maybe at night. Um, isn't that how God is going to communicate to us? And that's where we get into the progressive revelation in the scripture. You, God keeps giving more revelation, and the more revelation that keeps coming, Old Testament, the Gospels, the Epistles, less and less of those things. And if they do come, it's usually to key people, uh, apostles, prophets, Joseph, like a patriarch. I mean, you, you're getting the key. It's not just to everyone or the Messiah, you know, is coming or John the Baptist, the forerunner. But it's not God's common way of communicating to his people. That's what we're after. What is the norm for God's people knowing what pleases God and what God wants for them? It's the scriptures and always has been. So trying to, if they go to narrative and say, look with this, yeah, but that's not normative for all of God's people. That was for a specific event. But the, now when you get into, as the church is going on in the epistles, we're, it's just not there. And since we have no sure way to know if it was God anyway, that makes it even more sort of dangerous of derailing off what God teaches us in his word. So in our home growing up, I mean, you have dreams. Kids have dreams, nightmares. We just didn't talk about them. So we're responsible for what goes in our minds before we go to sleep. We're responsible for what we do in our waking moments but don't, we're not going to get in rehearsing our dreams because we're to dwell on things that are true, real. Philippians 4.8, dwell on things that are real. Uh, and that's not real. So, well, this guy was chasing me. It's not real. There was no guy chasing you in actuality. And, and the more you just start discussing dreams, the more real they become. So you ask a child, I had this nightmare. Well, tell me what happened. Well, the, this happened, and then this monster was, and then where'd they come from? I went in the closet. And it, was it still in there? You're going, it's all, it's all pseudo. It's, it's fake. Fake news. Um, it, it's, it's just not true. There is nothing like that happening. So let's dwell on what's true. Let's talk about God, who he is, his promises, you're here. Let's, we're going to dwell on what's true and find comfort in, in God and his word. So that, that was a practice that I even encourage others to do is we're to dwell on things that are true, right, pure, lovely, good report, virtuous, and praiseworthy, and dreams don't fit that. But the scripture, I go back to your question, that was specific people, specific major events in history but it's not the normative of how God's people got direction on God's will for their life. Yeah, I think uh, the question, keeping what pro and cons, just your fact gathering. And I think when you get into the principles, as long as you have the passages in mind, you're dealing with scriptures with scriptures rather than my preferences or my desires. It's just, this is, um, 
there's hardship if I go this way. Well, that's a biblical principle, and I shouldn't be always avoiding hardship. And so as long as I can keep the principles and I see there's passages, I'm, I'm dealing with God's word on that one. It's when I, that you lose the reference that it can start shifting. Yes? Uh, the, yeah, the question is, what do you do with family member, you said? A family member, someone you know who's making decisions and it's based on subjectivity, mysticism, and they're not seeking uh, any input on wisdom to grow. Uh, I, I don't know, I mean, without getting into more details, I mean, if it's what kind of a family member is it? a spouse, uh, if it's kids, I mean, you can get the earphones, put them on at night and play the tapes. <laughs> I'm teasing. <laughs> They're hearing. Um, and that's, a, that, if it's parents, you know, there, there's relationship issues. I mean, if, it's, if it was my wife, well, I, I have to try to help shepherd her. I mean, I, I can't sanctify her. She's not my sanctification project, but uh, my wife, I want to help grow and be like-minded. If it was parents, boy, that's a, that's a little dip more challenging one is because they, how they look at their children. If it's my children, it depends on family member and the openness there of can I ask questions? Uh, what kind of relationship do I have? Can I ask questions? Questions prick the conscience. So I want to, how do you know for sure that that would please the Lord? Um, I mean, I would want to probe with questions and see if they would be open at all to reading on the subject. If they don't want to listen to me, uh, are they open to read more on the subject or listen uh, to others who speak on the issue of decision-making? I, I would hope to think that they're going to be, maybe they're immature or foolish, but they can grow in wisdom and not just stay in foolishness and error, and then reaping the consequences of poor decision-making. Others may reap the same consequences. That's really hard when a wife has a husband like that who's making impulsive, self-centered decisions and debt, and now she's, she's tethered to him, and, and the kids are too, and, it, and how he goes. And this is why helping men on leadership in, in the area of decision-making is so important. I don't know if I'd answer your question probably without getting into more specifics. What exactly is the relationship? And then what have you tried? And is there other, maybe some principles that you could practice there? Some people uh, in my family would maybe listen to me, but would read something written by someone else that's saying the same thing. So I'm going to, I'll get anything across their path I can, and pray. I mean, just really pray that the Lord would, if they're a believer, really open up their heart, help them to see where their decisions are taking them, sort of for a, a opportunities to, that they might grow. That's hard, I know. Our family, family counseling issues are some of the hardest. I mean, I can counsel others, but when they're family, that, some of the hardest family and friends uh, who, for the most part, use the, all the different methods to be cautious of or totally avoid 
they're relying on that rather than the scriptures. So giving a book on the character of God and knowing God, I don't know that you can ever go wrong on that one. Uh, but I, I like encouraging them uh, on some scriptures about knowing God. And I know the book covers scriptures. So I look at supplemental books as when I read the book, look up the passages so that scripture becomes the primary uh, tool we're, we're using and ministering. But as I mentioned, knowing and understanding God is front and center, the most important which then leads to a, a reverence of God, and you begin to see him high and lifted up, and we bow low. Because most of the subjective methods, man is high and God is low. Yeah. yeah. Because if they can get them into reading the character of God, and obviously you get into his goodness, and now you're going to deal with forgiveness, right? A giving and forgiving. That if they're in the scriptures and reading about who God is, what he has accomplished. They're going to see the gospel. I mean, you're going to be confronted with the gospel and their need for, uh, for salvation. If someone said they're Christian and they're all in subjective means and they don't want to spend time in the word, and that's common because they think they're getting fresh stuff. This is old stuff. That's another thing about when you start wanting to get some more words from God than he has given us, then this is... This is not sufficient. Yeah, why would I go to something old? He's talking to me and telling me which road to take every day. And, and so this begins, and it's almost an attack. You don't add, this is perfection, God's word. Adding to perfection subtracts. So I, I a lot of times when you're in those decisions, what do I do with family members and this, that, and the other? It tends to not be a right or wrong that it could be sinful what I'm doing. It's usually wisdom. Is it more wise to do this or less wise? Maybe the timing, how much I give, who I give. It's wisdom issues often because your heart's right. You want them to know God, to know his word. And then it's just praying and saying, I... I'm going to pray for opportunities that open up that I can talk about Jesus, his word, and what the Lord's doing for me, in me. Just the Lord, as he rescued you and led you, um, he can do the same for family members. There's hope for all of us until we're dead. And that's praise God for that. Even criminals on a cross. Yes. Yeah, that, the question is, in, just in my experience, what do I find they have this, this most struggle with in making a decision? I don't know. That's a good one. I'd have to spend some time thinking through that one to see if there's something common with a lot of different people. I mean, big, broad one is please myself or please the Lord. I mean, it just happens. It comes out in counseling, discipleship all the time. It's like they're habitually seeking please themselves and no one else as Christians, professing anyway. 
but specifically if it relates to this issue or a, I don't know offhand without thinking. Maybe some of you have think a lot faster and you have some issues that come up that people struggle more commonly with. Yes. And without more specifics, and I don't want you getting into specifics, is how do you, the question is how do you know if you're taking too long for a decision? And that could be, that, that would be very relative to what the issue is. I mean, if it's relocating or accepting a different job or, uh, I mean, that, that, that's, that's so, yeah, so weighty that you would expect some time to process, gather information. But if it's taking days and days and it's on a decision whether to buy this chair or that chair to go in the living room, um, and usually it's whatever your wife prefers, <laughs> or you'll be sleeping in it. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, it's relative to what the, what the topic is on how long would be within reason. And you could always ask other people around, you know, if you were faced with this decision that I'm dealing with, it's, it's, I, I get bogged down, it's taken me uh, a day and a half, and here's the issue. If someone goes, well, that'd be about right, but it'd take me about that much time, or they go, oh, that should be in 15 minutes, you should be able to, well, then help me out. Where am I getting too bogged down? I came across a passage in Nehemiah 5 I thought was really interesting. When he saw the predicament of Israel, they were enslaving themselves to their fellow brothers because they couldn't pay everything, and they were giving up their land, and the leadership was having problems. So Nehemiah, he hears about all that's going on, and verse 6 of Nehemiah 5 says, And I was very angry when I heard their outcry in these words. And verse 7 says, I took counsel with myself. Well, that's pretty neat. I, I took counsel with myself. And, and then I, he says, And then I brought charges against the leaders. Well, that took some time. He had to think through what is the problem. It was against the law to do what they were doing. So he challenged them with what was right and wrong. He went to the leadership because they were the problem. He involved himself. He ended up giving and helping the people. But he had a whole plan of what he worked the plan. So how long it took, we don't know. It just says, I took counsel with myself. And I, I would probably, if, if my wife was thinking I'm taking too long with certain things, I might ask other brothers in Christ, uh, friends or mentors of mine, is it me? Am I missing something? Is she, maybe she's impatient. Maybe it's not that it's taking to me on. Maybe it's, maybe it's some of both. But I, I kind of get bogged down on these issues. Maybe I need some some mentoring, a discipleship on helping on that area. But I don't know without specifics of, you know, I mentioned that guy that was spending two hours looking at a particular item in a food store. That's way too long. And it, that's 
the, it wasn't a weighty issue, but he was giving two hours of the day to that. And he was in trying to get some counsel about can't live life that way. Yes, sir. Um, yeah, the question is, so many are using that phrase, I'm waiting on the Lord, and they're not accomplishing, uh, being responsible and accomplishing uh, worthy issues, uh, worthy uh, activity. Uh, right belief precedes right living. So they have to know right before they can live right. So if the, if the problem's down here with how they're living, they have to be taught this is what it means to wait on the Lord. This is what the word wait, the Hebrew word kevah, what does that mean? It's the most common word for wait in the Old Testament. What does it literally mean? And looking at the context, it's not passively sitting still. So it's trust God and move. Move biblically, but move. And once you realize that, you go, oh, um, wow, I... I if I want to be married, you know, if a single guy, I want to be married, then I need to trust God, know his word, uh, well, and start moving. I mean, getting to know uh, some women um, or a woman, uh, a lady, I, I need to start moving and um, God won't obey for me, but he'll help me. So that's where I would say is maybe helping them understand what that means and doing a Bible study, look at this, especially Isaiah, and look what they do. They, they're moving. And then that may help them. But I think we just assume we know what it means. With the English definition of wait, means just sit still, and now God's supposed to do everything. Yes. In, in a regular nuclear family of husband, wife, and children, your question was who? Well, I know who's, yeah, I know who God will hold responsible uh, ultimately will be the, the man, the, the husband, father, will definitely be held responsible. And you see that with Adam was held responsible, even with Eve. So he's, he's um, much more in the line of the headship and the wife is coming underneath even as an equal person, but functionally in submission. And children should be under mom and dad on that one. But not just making decisions, but trying to get their input. If it's gonna, the decision's going to affect them, I'd sure like to get their input. And I think that's where even in a church, the plurality of godly men, it really helps of, for not just one person, there's no pope here. We, I mean, this is my wife, this is my companion, one flesh relationship. I want to get her input. I'd be foolish not to get her input and to seek that. But I may have to decide, I hear what you're saying, but I think we need to go this way. And if I have to make the decision, if I don't have to make it, how much time do I have before I have to make it? But if I have to make it, and it's not what she really thinks, I'm, I'm trying to listen to her because she's very wise. What principles are you using? And if I venture forward, um, then she's got to trust God that, you know, she's following me. And if there are 
if she was right and I was, uh, I was wrong, then by all means, humble, humble yourself and just say, boy, I, I missed this or I missed this. Best I knew, I did that. She'll respect that. Kids do, too. Kids respect that. Kids are quick to forgive, usually. It's really interesting. I mean, you can make decisions, and we all do. But you just say, I'm so sorry. Please forgive me. Any other questions? Yes. And there's a video series, I believe, on that. Excellent, excellent series or book on the holiness of God with R.C. Sproul. But, like, when I'm counseling anyone with issues, I have them on a steady diet of getting to know their God. So I'm giving them a passage to read, you know, whether it's one of the Psalms on the characteristics of God, or Isaiah 40, or Deuteronomy. I mean, there's all kinds of passages. And then we're looking at A.W. Pink, one attribute a week. So I, I want them, no matter what their problem is, they go, oh, I'm anorexic, you know, I'm, uh, I'm depressed, or I'm you're going to be getting to know your God. Because that's going to be so key. And I want a scripture passage, and if we look at A.W. Pink, I want you to look at the passages, look them up that he quotes. Often they're all written out, but read. I want you to focus in on that and come back. I want to start every session with, what did you learn about God last week? And how did that affect you in your situation? That's how I want to start. I don't want to start with what cistern did you drink at the cistern. Remember that? I want to go with, have you been drinking at the fountain? And what have you learned? And I still address whatever issue they come in with, but we're going to get to know our God. Yes, sir. Well, yes, the, the question is, how do you deal with individuals who aren't as open uh, to be corrected or instructed and they get resistant and it gets into conflict and it's very difficult uh, there's two proverbs back to back where the first says uh, don't answer a fool according to his folly the second proverb answer a fool lest he be wise in his own eyes you go well, which one is it do i answer or do i not answer and the first one is don't get on their level don't answer them according to their folly. Don't get on their level. Go back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. You want to, in grace and love, have you considered the, the difficulty with that kind of mode of decision-making? Have you thought about just looking at the commands and principles of Scripture and making decisions that way? So you, you want to not get in arguing back and forth on their level but you don't let someone speak as if here's the right way when it's not. So I want to try to graciously answer them biblically, but not get into back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. It's, and that, that's, Lord, help me with that. Because some is, I don't even want conflict, so I'm not even going to answer. And that's not wise. And the other is, I just get caught up in the moment and we're arguing, and I don't want that either. So it's helped me to be wise on when to speak up, when not to. That's what comes to my mind when, um, and again, family is very difficult, especially 
if you have to live with the family member, you know, and you get a wife who has a husband who's very foolish, boy, that's, that's tough because he'll say things and she's like, that's not right. It's, it's actually this. And then it leads to conflict and she's got to, there's just, Lord, be at peace with all men as, as much as depends on you. Try to live at peace, but love them too. So it's not an easy route. But uh, I've just found questions, and there is a maybe a a way that would be more wise, more helpful, and hopefully they'll be teachable. So the answer to, if I'm not that wise, is grow in wisdom. So that's the Proverbs. Grow in wisdom. Learn by your mistakes from your experiences. And, all right. That's a, a, you know, the question is, in a church situation, what do you do in teaching? Because you could go over this, and then new people come. And you're done, the, you're done a lesson. I mean, you've done a series. And then new people come. And they don't know this. So, it, uh, I mean, I, all I can say is what I, I would suggest is have it part of membership class. At least reading something on it or going over some basic principles. This is how our church operates. This is how our leadership operates. We all try to make decisions based on biblical commands and principles for God's glory and just sort of teach them, bring them into the ballpark. And membership class usually is about the only way that you get everyone coming in on here are the pillars or issues of our church. But I remember Grace Church, we covered a series, and then we asked the people there, there are about 250 in that fellowship group, how many of you we said, are, are new in the past three years. Most of the hands went up. New to the church. Like, whoa. And they, you know, it's a, people re, get relocated, and so people are in, people are out. So wherever you can fit it in, unless there's a class that all the new members have to go through, like a fundamentals class, something where they can get taught. That's membership class, at least you could touch on it. That's just a suggestion. You probably have too much to cover already in a membership class, but that seems to be where this is how we make decisions, and we can always take people back to the big, big picture. You know, even if it's a, this, you know, this is what we do. We try to do, and we try to teach, and in our families, and Do it that way. Well, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are again so humbled at your kindness and goodness to us. Thank you for how you've led in our lives. I would pray that if there's anyone who's in here who, through the whole time last night and today, that it's more clear that they're not a believer in Jesus Christ, that even today they would not leave without talking 
to one of the leaders here, just that today would be the day that they would surrender their lives and trust in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Lord, for your children who are here, we just thank you for how you, in your providence, your gracious, loving providence, have led us to yourself. You drew us to yourself through Christ. And thank you for the work of redemption, the work of your Holy Spirit, that we are sealed till the day of, of really redemption, glorification. Uh, we're sealed. Well, we just praise you for your word. Thank you that what we need for life and godliness is found in Christ and as he's revealed in scripture and forgive us for neglecting it. Oftentimes we, we long to watch TV. We long to do other things and we don't long to read and meditate on your word. May that change. May we seek to know you and your revealed will for us more as a result of this conference, of your spirit just showing us this is what we need uh, to be in your word more. And not just knowing things, but applying them with the help of your spirit for our good, your glory, and the good of your church. And bless each one, even the rest of this day, encourage them. May we go home back to our places not to be served, but to serve. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.